Welcome back to Bleacher Brawls, the home of the greatest rivalry in professional sports. We have a great episode coming at you in a few, but first we have to tell you about all of the places you can find us. BleacherBrawls.com is the home for our Yankees and Red Sox columns, football, basketball, soccer content, as well as movie reviews, quizzes, and plenty of trash talk. Our YouTube channel has a few videos a week with picks, predictions, our prospect pipeline series, and more. Our main social media hub is Twitter, at Bleacher Brawl, where you can give us any feedback, ask us any questions, follow us to be the first to hear about our latest content. This podcast is available on your listening app of choice, and when you finish listening to today's super exciting episode, you'll want to drop us a five-star review. Let's get on with the show. And we are back. What's going on, everyone? I'm Barnes. You're here at the Bleacher Brawls. I'm joined by Kasim and Luke tonight. It's a special occasion. Uh, we're going to go with first pitch. we got a couple other things. We're going to cover a little bit of spring training action. We're going to come over uh, and do some fair or foul uh, later in the show. But first pitch is always just to start off the night. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Luke. You're actually joining me and Kasim tonight, filling in for Joey. So what's up with you doing double duty this week? Ah, uh, it is. It's it's a pretty it's a pretty cool uh, feeling actually. I haven't been on the midweek show in forever. I think it's only the second time I ever recorded with Casim, and I haven't seen you in a while, Barnes, since the season, uh, pretty much. So uh, it's nice. It's uh, I'm so sick of those other schlubs. It's about time I got some reps on the A team <laughs> here, and and it's really the A team because Joey's not here either. So it's like <laughs> a win win for me. Um, you know, uh, Joey, I'm happy to fill in for you, bud. Uh, anytime I can, I'm happy to. It's a, you know, I understand you got midterms. Joey's got a secret plan, and that secret plan is to graduate college, and I can respect that. Um, so, uh, yeah, looking forward to getting getting going here and uh, seeing if I can hang with the big dogs. So, yeah, like Luke said, uh, Joey won't be joining us tonight. He's actually studying for midterms, which... Who knows what that actually means for Joey, but hey, Joey, if you're listening, good luck. If you know, if you're listening and you know Joey, wish him good luck. You can reach him at on Twitter at JDS Bostonian. Wish him good luck on Twitter. Uh, in the meantime, Kasim, what's up with you, buddy? Uh, not much, man. How you guys doing? We're hope all, all is well. Baby's doing good. A uh, few more days until the first pitch of spring training. Red Sox played the Huskies. I can't believe I'm going to actually watch a freaking major league team versus a freaking <laughs> college baseball team. See the score of 30 to zero. But you know what? It's the smell of spring training. I'm so happy, man. And the guys, the crew, it's going to be awesome, man. Yeah, you know, we're we're so close to, you know, we're getting so jacked up about the first pitch of like a spring training game. And then next thing you know, we're like, oh, man, the first pitch is the World Baseball Classic. And then you're like, all right, cool. First pitch of opening day true opening day and th it's like we're ascending on a roller coaster and we're just waiting for the <laughs> part and it's going to be totally fun you know and we're here for all of it you know definitely based in yankees red sox action you know but we'll cover everything um my first pitch is luke we gotta we gotta have a conversation <laughs> 
on the Monday morning episode, you were rambling about, you know, your your column that went up on bleacherballs.com. You should check it out. It's about if you're a Red Sox fan, you should check it out. Um it's about the Red Sox new core four that they're gonna need for this twenty twenty three campaign. And loosely in the podcast, you go, Oh yeah, there was a core four for the Yankees, like Jeter, Rivera, Bernie. And I'm like, and I'm like, whoa, 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 timeout. Bernie Williams is not in the core four by technicality. So I, I'm like, what the hell? I know you're just doing it. I know you're doing it on purpose to get under my skin and all the Yankees fans skin. So Luke, I'm going to smack. If I was right next to you, I'd smack you in the head with this little notepad because you're wrong. And you call this all dummies in your article. And I want, I want an apology. Well, look, I am sorry. I am sorry that I overestimated so many Yankee fans in thinking that they may have just made an oversight and just because I never really understood it. The core four, the core four, the heart and soul of the team that the dynasty, the last true baseball dynasty that we've seen. So core four would imply that the four members that the heart of the team, the the heart and soul of the team, a core is the middle. So the most important pieces on the team. And if you're calling, if you're telling me that Jorge Posada is in that group of the most important pieces of the team over Bernie Williams, the center fielder, the cleanup hitter, the, the guy who's, who's, he's still, what uh 20 years later 23 years after the yankees last saw greatness other than 09 like one and done like the royals but the last time the yankees saw greatness he played center field and he was their cleanup hitter and he is still third all time in postseason home runs back when there was only three playoff rounds you could play in but he's not in the core four he's homegrown just like all those guys are instead uh, a catcher who was more known for his offense just kind of played so-so defense. He's in the core four, but Bernie Williams is not. So tell me where Yankee fans have the nerve to say, yeah, this is, yeah, it's Posada's in this and Bernie Williams isn't. Cassim, hit him in before I, before I get into it. Uh, I know. I, I, I told Luke already that Bernie's part of the core four. He's, he's part of it. Oh, oh look what word. happened. Oh, look what you. happened. Cassim, I'm gonna smack you with this notepad too. Because listen, Wait, hold on, you're a Bernie fan. You ain't Barnes. I'm actually defending you. I'm not going against you. <laughs> I'm no. telling you, Bernie was awesome, dude. He should be part of it. I mean, if you look at it, Posada was there his whole career. Jeter was there his whole career. Rivera was there his whole career. They had Andy Pettit. You got to admit, Pettit left to Houston and came back. I love Andy Pettit, no matter what. He's my favorite pitcher. But Bernie Williams, dude, he was a switch hitter, cleanup hitter. 30 home runs, 100 RBIs, great center fielder. I always say the core four, but to me, it's the core five. And Bernie was the biggest part. If I had to go, if you had to rank them, people would put Jeter number one or Rivera number one, Jeter two, Rivera two, whatever, how it is. But Bernie's right there. Bernie, Pettit, Posada. So what Barnes did right there, what Barnes did right there was he tagged you in, Cassim. Mm -hmm. So you could stomp on me like he was, but instead... You just turned around and hit him in the head with a steel chair. That, that's what happened right there. And now I'm flying off the top turnbuckle, baby. Because listen, Luke, we'll get Joe Estanio. We'll, we'll tag in Joe Estanio. Joe, Joe do the leg drop. Joe, if you're listening, I need you to leg drop this fool, Luke. Oh my God. Listen, Joe, 
Asami. Joe agrees too. Joe agrees. Listen, and hey, if you're listening and you haven't listened to that episode that John and I did with Joe, you should check it out. Just scroll back a little bit further in your listening app. Um, but Luke, you said it yourself. The core, the middle. Wouldn't you say that, you know, catcher is like the most middle and touches the ball like almost all the time? Sure. Catcher's but definitely if, middle. If you had like a Jason Veritek as your catcher, a guy who caught four no hitters, um, you know, a guy who was more defensively known because that's the, you know, you're talking about up the middle, you're talking about defensive. Posada was never in one of the top 10 catchers in the in major league baseball back then he that he played the position i'm sure he handled the pitching staff well but he wasn't he i mean he was there he was a big he was on the yankees all those years because of his bat and it's and it wasn't like he was a, a mike piazza type of bat either um you know he was a he was a good player he had he had you know came through in big moments and stuff but i mean bernie he was a third a third of the player that Bernie Williams was and to put the, I, I remember, you know, it's not like I say this, like I'm dunking on you with Bernie Williams and saying like, Oh, this makes me feel happy. I remember game one of the 1999 ALCS, the Red Sox were huge underdogs and they took, and they took, they had them tied into, I don't know if it was the bottom of the ninth or it was the bottom of the 10th. And it was really looking like we were like, you know, they could take game one and then anything could happen. And then Rod Beck with his fat beard and everything comes in. He grooves a fastball to Bernie Williams. He hits it into this uh, over the center field fence. Yeah. And it was like, that was it. After that, I was like, oh, what was I thinking? This this was over before it started. And it's just, I mean, Bernie Williams is just synonymous with those teams. Like, and I know Posada is the one people always talk about with the core four with Pettit and Rivera and Jeter, but it shouldn't be. And it never should have been. He's homegrown just like those guys were. And he was a bigger part of the team. He was the best. I mean, wouldn't you say he was the best position player on at least two of those championship teams? He was clutch. Uh, look, let me put it to you this way, Luke. I mean, you know, how you have the fat five. That's, you know, according to people, they say the core four. No, but it's really the core five. Let's sit here and just be honest about it. Like, for me, it's a core four, a uh, core five. I don't say core four. You know, Bernie was more clutch than Derek Jeter in the in, in, in situations. I did. He probably yeah. played a better shortstop well, than Derek Jeter. Yeah, I know. Besides that, Posada wasn't a slouch. He was a good catcher. But, yes, defensively, Posada, <laughs> he wasn't all that. I mean, I'll admit it. He wasn't all that. But he, he did handle a pitching staff. He was good with his bat at times. Uh, at times, um, you know, sometimes he has good uh, catching days where he throws out runners, but really, Bernie Bernie was just burn, baby burn, but that guy was so clutch. Like, anytime he came up to bat, bases loaded or two men on, you needed a clutch hit, uh, clutch RBI, Bernie, Bernie was there to deliver. And, man, you know, I had the privilege of watching Bernie, you know, come up through the minor league system, him and Pettit and Jeter and Rivera, Posada, but Bernie, man... I don't. I, I think if he wasn't on that team, I really believe the Yankees would have had a hard time winning championships. That's how clutch Bernie was. I absolutely agree. And Bernie Williams is my guy. He's my actually my favorite baseball player yeah, ever. I love him. And I'm a big I'm a big fan of like, hey, there's the Fab Five. You know, the core five as Casman calls them. But here's the actual legitimate history lesson as to why those four players: Jeter, Pettit, Posada and Mariano are the core four is because they literally came with the, through the minors together. Right. Yeah. They literally came up the ranks, all four of them 
synonymously, and they all made their debut in 1995 together. You know, at different times in the year, but they all came up in 95. Mm-hmm. It's not like Bernie Williams came up earlier. So that's why those four are the core four, because they did from the get go all the way together. And that's the technicality. I'm not disputing Bernie or Posada, who's better, who's worse, but that's legitimately why they're the core four. It has I'd, nothing to do with their actual ability because Bernie was the best. I'd get that if they were called the 95 four or something, but it's like they call them the core four. It's like, so, I mean, everybody outside of New York that doesn't know they all debuted in 95, like no, nobody, I mean, they all think that's why they call them the core four is just because all right, those were the, the heart and soul of those teams and Bernie Williams were them. And who knows how many of those guys would even be, would have even played for the Yankees if Bernie Williams didn't come up first because he was the first homegrown guy to come up at, when those crop of teams and to really and to really impress people. And I mean, you got to get Big Stein to to be okay with not trading off uh, prospects and keeping them, and you know, being willing to roll with them moving forward. And I, I mean, I would argue that if Bernie Williams didn't have the success that he had. You know, who knows how many of those other those other guys in the in the core four would have even still been with New York or would have been traded off for like Jose Canseco or like Harold Baines or like, you know, guys who put up big numbers in the past, but were were, you know, getting over the hill because Steinbrenner is a crazy man. You know, he he traded date. He traded Reggie Jackson. Uh, Wait a minute. Yeah, he traded Reggie Jackson. He left. Yeah. Okay. So he got rid of Reggie Jackson left. He got Dave Winfield and then he hated Dave Winfield. He mm-hmm. called him Mr. May. Like the guy's crazy. Yeah. I mean, uh, to be honest, like all of them at a point in their careers, especially in the beginning, they almost, uh, all of them almost got traded. Rivera uh, almost got traded. Uh, Jeter almost got traded. Posada almost got traded. Bernie almost got traded and almost left. He almost signed with your team, Luke, the Red Sox. But George Steinberg kicked the door open and told him, here, you're going to stay. So they almost came to a point, but, you know, I always call it the core five. I know they all debuted with each other, but uh, Bernie is part of their success, will always be part of their success. They should call it the core five or call it the core four and just kick Posada out of it and replace him with Bernie Williams. Hey, if you're listening, uh, hey, Luke, where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me at LukeT39 at Twitter. Drop your hate tweets there, Yankee fans, and your love tweets, Red Sox fans, and your love tweets, Yankee fans uh, who have perspective like I do. You other Yankee fans, why do I know more about your team than you do? You should be ashamed of yourselves. All right, we're canceling, Luke. Luke, you're officially (laughs) part of cancel culture. Anyway, moving on. So nice to be on the midweek show. And we were talking about how all the, the core four members and Bernie uh we're all came up through the ranks in the minor leagues and you know spring training's rolling around you got to do some pretty good things in spring training so this is kind of a good segue to get into the next thing um entering spring training you know 2023 both the yankees and the red sox have new literal or figurative leadership in the locker rooms you know aaron judge obviously signs his massive contract and is named the captain of the new york yankees and kike hernandez is now kind of, is now the leader in the locker room for the red sox what are some things you know especially at, at the trade deadline the yankees had like a little bit of a weird locker room feel especially after the montgomery trade um to bring in harrison bader 
and the Red Sox were just a total utter mess last year. And, you know, it seemed like there was no real accountability or true leadership. You know, their old leader, Xander Bogarts, is no longer part of the team. And now Kike is kind of like the guy. So what are some things that this new captain for the team needs to do to really rally the team? And what do you as a fan want to see from those guys on the field, off the field, et cetera? Uh, Kasim, I'll start with you on Aaron Judge, and then we'll go to Luke. I mean, uh, you know, Aaron Judge being named the captain, I mean, his responsibility, you know, he, he does lead by example, you know, on and off the field. I never heard anything, you know, off the field about him being in trouble or anything like that. So he does lead up by example. The players look up to him. A lot of players vouch for him to be the captain. I've heard some things. I, I have mean, sources. Yeah. But uh, the players did vouch for him. Guys like Rizzo, Stanton, uh, even from ownership to GM, they all wanted him to be captain. I like his, uh, I like what he's all about. He does hold you responsible. He'll, you know, if you're struggling, he'll come up to you, he'll tell you, okay, you know, uh, got to do this, you know, just hang in there. So I, I really like what um, Aaron Judge brings to the team, especially now as a captain. Happy that he's a Yankee. I'm glad he's back. But, um, you know, hopefully moving forward, uh, maybe him being named the captain hopefully could bring us that number 28 championship this year. That's all I'm hoping for. As a fan, is there anything that you would like to see, like specifically from Aaron Judge during the season, whether it be in press conferences or like on the field performance, anything like out of the norm? Uh, I mean, I like to see him. This I like to see the season that he had last year again. That'd be very nice. Absolutely. Pre press press conference is normal. Aaron Judge is his normal press conference. I'm here to win a championship. He's cool at the mic. I like it. He's himself. So, I mean, that's. That's uh, from me, from me watching him since he came up uh, through the minors. So I, I can't wait. Can't wait. And uh, let's kick it over to the Red Sox side. Kika Hernandez, you know, he's still kind of like the new guy on the block over there in Boston. And now he's kind of like, you know, the heart of the heart and soul. And, and I know you also wrote a column about it on bleacherballs.com. Make sure you check that out. Get Luke's thoughts there. And, um, you know, maybe you'll talk a, bit, a little bit about it now, but. You know, what what are you as a fan looking for for Kike to like do? You know, he kind of like hasn't really played the all too many games for the Red Sox. And now he's kind of like the leader. I spent a lot of time uh, thinking about writing about uh, Kike in the last couple of weeks after it became obvious that he's he's really taking the helm right now. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, right, I wrote a column saying that he is the undisputed leader in that clubhouse. And then uh, today I put up a column about the Red Sox core four, the co the four guys that will need to stand, will need to step up this year if they're going to have any kind of success. Um, the leadership core, uh, obviously they don't have a core four of, you know, legit guys with legit hall of fame credentials, but um, <clears throat> you know, any kind of winning team, any championship team, any team that makes a good run, you can kind of point to four or five guys that are the most important. And I think uh, Kike Hernandez is going to be the top guy, the guy, you know, the tip of the spear, uh, so to speak, uh, for the Red Sox, at least leadership-wise. And I don't want to see anything different than what he's been doing. He always, you never see him, you know, you never see him pissed off. He's one of those guys that's always in a good mood. He plays an important position. I mean, he, he's playing, he was playing, he's been the center fielder uh, in 2021 and last year until he got hurt. 
And now he's got to move from center field to shortstop uh, with Trevor Story getting hurt. Uh, so that right there shows how important he is to the team. He's the center fielder, and then the shortstop gets hurt, and now he's the shortstop all of a sudden. And it's a guy that has been the, – the credentials I see for him a lot of times – played on how many great teams in LA won a championship in LA um, has been through who, countless playoff games has played all over the field, knows what it takes to win and has been on a team, you know, them with the Astros, they were the two best teams in the league for what, uh, four years while he was there, I think. Um, so he's, he just knows what it takes. He knows what a team needs to act like he knows how a team needs to express themselves he knows how a team needs to carry themselves to be a winner and he's always you see him speak publicly it's always positive it's always upbeat he's definitely one of those guys who kind of keeps the locker room loose and look he was talking about and he put himself in that position really um a couple weeks ago when he said that the clubhouse the the attitude in the clubhouse last year had to change and he didn't get into any specifics. He's not that kind of guy. He didn't throw anyone specifically under the bus. But fans who were paying attention, you know, you can put it all together. You got Xander Bogarts with his contract stuff clearly weighed on him. Anytime he was asked about it, you could tell he was anxious. Did that bleed bleed into what was happening in the whatever was happening in the clubhouse? I don't know. I'm not going to accuse him of that, but. You know, it's hard to stay focused. And when you care that much about the team, you could tell, you could just tell by his body language. He wasn't himself last year. JD Martinez around the trade deadline. He had some quotes in the media saying, saying, well, I think our problems come from, you know, we're just so concerned with trying to keep the band together. Um, and I think that's why we're having so much trouble right now. So he's pretty much blaming the front office for not just signing everybody on, on a team that was, that had a horrible season. You know, by late July, he's still saying, yeah, we want to keep this group of guys together, which is exactly the wrong thing. And Nathan Avaldi was thought of as a leader on that team. He only he was only healthy two full two seasons out of four. He was in Boston. And one of those seasons he was healthy was a 60 game season. Um, and and you got Nathan Avaldi crying and whining because because his personal catcher got designated for assignment two weeks before the end of the season, Kevin Plowecki, you know, he's having a, uh, you know, a, a pity party over losing Kevin Plowecki, you know, a guy whose war was like minus two lap minus one point something last year. not that I'm the greatest biggest war guy, but I mean, the guy was a non-factor and you're making an issue out of him. These guys, they could read the writing, writing on the wall. They knew they were on their way out and they were pissed off about it. And, Kike Hernandez was buddies with all those guys, but he's, you can tell he's, I mean, he's the guy stepping in. He's putting himself, putting the heat on himself by, you know, being the one guy to step forward saying, look, that old leadership group in not so many words saying that old leadership group, they, they weren't getting it done. We need a new attitude in here. And he's the one, he's the one that can do it. And he seems like he's got the right attitude for it. And I think the 2021 playoff run he had, set a whole bunch of records, you know, that's only a, a two week period, but that right there gave him the cash, you know, when he was already the starting center fielder, he had a great season in 2021, you know, that playoff run on top of it, that gave him the cash with the fans and the players, I think to be like, all right, yeah, yeah, you're it. Yeah. Let, so see, let's see what you can do, you know, take the ball. Uh, real quick. Do you think that bringing in Justin Turner, 
and Justin Turner and Kike Hernandez were teammates for six years in LA. Do you think bringing in Justin Turner is going to in some way help rally the rest of the team around, you know, Justin Turner has got to be well-respected in that clubhouse, you know, even though it's his first year with the team, but Justin Turner has been a phenomenal player for a number of years. But do you think Justin Turner coming in like, Hey, like, kind of helping Kike along, like really rallying some of the other guys. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why he's there. Kike Hernandez went on record saying he recruited him, that it took him a while. He recruited Kenley Jansen and that that was, that, that, that was pretty easy to do, but uh, recruiting Justin Turner took a, a lot more work, it took a whole bunch of conversations. Um, and, but that he wanted him here. Cause you know, he's, he's his, he knows every. He knows what he can do on the field. He knows what kind of personality he has in the clubhouse. He knows he's another one of those guys who's not going to let the attitude get too far down. Um, and obviously that he knows what it takes to win on the field. And Justin Turner, I mean, you look at his number. His numbers uh, last year, I think from June on, uh, he was he he did he did awesome. He was raking uh, other than the first uh, couple months last year. And you know him. He's 36 years old now, but him DHing, he's going to be the primary DH. Him not playing in the field that much, I think that's going to save somewhere and tear on his body. And I think that's a uh, kind of an under the radar signing that uh, you know by about the All Star break, I think people are going to look at Justin Turner's numbers and be like, "Whoa, geez, this guy has kind of quietly put together a really, really good season." So moving on right from right from there, you know, I think both of these guys, you know, Aaron Judge and Kike Hernandez are really going to rally their teams. And I think it'll be exciting to watch, especially from a Yankee standpoint, like the the flagship guy is the guy officially, you know, and you got this other guy in the Red Sox who's, you know, still really still really new to the team. But it seems like he has a lot of charisma and really going to like try to turn the ship around from that last place finish in the AL East. Um you know, and heading into spring training, it's like, hey, like, what's the point of spring spring training? Do you think that these guys are going to have a big impact in spring training? Like, what are what do you think besides the team goals? What are do you think there are the captain's goals of spring training? Uh, Kasim, I'll, I'll go back to you. I mean, the the point of spring training is just to get your body in shape. I know people work out earlier. Uh, you know, get your body in shape, get team chemistry with, you know, whatever. It could be trades, uh, free agents, whoever comes over, try to bond together, see how the camaraderie is. Um, also, you know, at the end of spring training, you're hoping your team is healthy. That's that's very important because anything could happen. Now with the World Baseball Classic starting March 8, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. So you just hope and pray that everybody gets out healthy. I think that's why... Some players are getting withdrawn from their from uh, the WBC. Uh, you know the teams they don't want to risk their players, especially if you're very important to the roster. You know the the main goal is to, you know, speaking of the goals, uh, is try to win that World Series. That should be every team's agenda. That's it. Should be every team's goal when you walk into spring training. I don't care if you're the bottom feeder of the league. Your goal is to win the World Series. It's just the way it is. So the point of spring training, like for me especially camaraderie chemistry uh state but most important thing is health just get out healthy you know get your reps in that's all i care about luke do you think that the team the new team captains have like any specific goals for themselves and what they want to establish within those clubhouses i think the team captain's uh role 
at least the ones that really know what they're doing. And I think Kike Hernandez has a good idea of what it takes is to create and maintain and a swagger uh, around the field and around the locker room and to keep reassuring these players how good they are, that they're major league baseball players, that they're on big market teams for a reason. And to not let anybody get too down on themselves because so much of baseball is mental. It's you use, uh, was it, was it Moneyball? I think in Moneyball, I could be getting the wrong book. So I apologize if this is the case, but I think it was in Moneyball. Um, Billy Bean uh, told Mike, Michael Lewis was interviewing, uh, was talking to Billy Bean about it. I think Billy Bean came up with Lenny Dykstra and saying that Lenny Dykstra, so much of Lenny Dykstra's success was built on just, he just came, some other players would be like, you know, mental cases, like really anxious. Uh, oh, I got to do well. I got to do, well. I got to get a hit here. And Lenny Dykstra would come in still drunk from the night before, you know, his chest puffed out. Like, yeah, I'm going to kill it today. Cause I kill it every day. It's like conf- being confidence and in major league baseball being, being legitimately cocky is such a huge part of your success because the game's so mental. And if you start to get down on yourself, that's when a slump turns into a bad trend. And that's what turns, you know, guys who normally play good defense even to get the yips or to get just losing, doubting yourself is such a huge um, issue with baseball. So I think the captains need to focus on keeping the players up, keeping the players positive and reminding the players how good themselves pull them aside. And be like, what are you doing? Why are you pressing so much at the plate? See your pitch, hit your pitch. And that's it. I used to, I growing up, I knew, I knew more about baseball than anybody I knew. I was, I loved baseball so much. I knew everything about how to play it, knew the fundamentals, uh, but everything. I wasn't a good player because I was nervous. I was nervous about screwing up. And that's what happens when you start playing bad. You're afraid you're going to keep playing bad. And that's when the mistakes happen. So keeping an upbeat, confident swagger uh, uh, around the team is the most important thing I think a captain can do. Yankees legend Yogi Berra once said, baseball is 90% mental and the other half is physical. Huh. I'm not sure how the math checks out, but we'll, we'll get – he was a baseball player, not a mathematician. There's a 49% margin of error, just yeah. like with elections. Yeah, who really knows? The, no one, the, don't worry about the math. The, the guy has a ring for every finger on both hands. <laughs> uh, but uh, is there any one thing or two things that you, that you as a fan specifically look for during spring training? Cass, we'll go to you again. Uh, what do I look for in spring training? Young players, uh, see like a surpri- surprise player, like somebody that is signed to a minor league deal. You never know, fighting for us, uh, vying for a spot on the team, whether it could be bullpen, bench, uh, you know, it's like a good field story. Like they came from a long road and they finally make the team. Like a guy, for an example, um, I remember a guy like Lucas Litke, you know, he came mm-hmm. from a long journey and he actually made the Yankees and you start hearing stories. So something like that I look forward to. Um, they shouldn't uh, have let him go. I know because we're only down to one lefty and that's Wandy Peralta, which I love, but I always feel like we need another one. Now they're talking about some guy named Nicky Ramirez. I don't even know who the hell he is. 
Oh so my we're, Lord. We're, we're waiting. But uh, yeah, spring training, I mean, it's fun. It's just, for me, it's just the smell of baseball. It's back. And like I said, health is number one for me. Get out healthy. As you can tell, that hasn't really happened for the Yankees in the past three years. Oh, so, man. Yeah, we don't like to talk about that injury yeah. bug. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger's already hurt <laughs> again. <laughs> and if you don't know who Arnold Schwarzenegger is, it's Ben Rortvet. Uh, I don't know why we gave him that nickname, but it's sticking. So uh, Ben Rortvet, your new nickname is Arnold Schwarzenegger because you'll always be back. You're never in there. You'll always be back. So, uh, Luke, is there any one thing or two things that you look for specifically in strength training? I want to be Cole's personal catcher. <laughs> I In a year like this, I mean, it's kind of a, it's a loaded question for me because there's been so much turnover with the Red Sox. You got these rookies coming in that have to prove them. They have to prove that they're good major league baseball players. You got uh, Masataki Yoshida, you got Tristan Cassis, you got Bram Bayo and seeing them play against big league slash minor league competition. uh, That's going to be huge uh, this spring and seeing where they're going to hit in the lineup with the, you know, what the, how the positional alignments are going to work, how the spots in the certain spots in the orders are going to work. And you're also working in a whole bunch of new veterans like Justin Turner, Chris Martin, uh, Kenley Jansen. How many Dodgers are old ex Dodgers are on this freaking team for God's sake. And uh, Alberto Mondesi and Corey Kluber. So there's actually a lot to pay attention to, uh, on the Red Sox side of things this spring training, because it's such a different team than it was last year, a completely different team than it was in 2021. And uh, there's, I think two players left over from the, the last championship in 2018. Um, so there's a lot, there's a lot to keep an eye on for the Red Sox. So it's going to be a more interesting spring training than usual for them. And, you know, the goals are just working people in, finding what their role is and solidifying what those roles are before opening day. Um, especially in the bullpen, who's going to close. It's going to be Kenley Jansen, I'm sure, but who's going to be the main setup guy. Who's going to be the fireman, uh, which, you know, which lefty is going to be the, the actual lefty. Uh, that's Oh, Blyer. He's another guy uh, that they, another new guy, uh, which lefty is going to be the primary lefty uh, in the bullpen. Um, and, uh, as far as guys that I'm particularly excited about Brian Bayo, hoping to God, he's okay. He's already got forearm soreness, uh, last Friday. So that could mean that in the past forearm soreness is like the, the, the first in a long line of symptoms that lead to Tommy John surgery. So I'm praying to God that doesn't happen. And I'm excited to see what Justin Turner's got in the tank. And I'm really excited about Alberto, Alberto Mondesi. I, he can't stay healthy, but what if he does, if he can stay healthy, having a guy who can have that kind of raw hitting ability, that kind of power and that kind of speed could be a total game changer for the Red Sox if he's right physically. So there's a lot to be, I'm excited about a lot of Red Sox fans aren't, but screw them. I'm excited about them. And I think they're going to surprise a lot of people this year, but they need a lot of people to fall a lot closer to their ceiling side than their floor side. So Luke kind of, you know, just segued us into our next thing that I was going to ask about is like a player or two that you're excited to see. And, you know, you got Luke's uh, players oh, right there. Whoops. Sorry. No, 
Yeah, sorry. no, that's great. You just let yeah. us right into it. Don't be sorry. You did something <laughs> right for once. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I know for me, the one of the players, you know, on the Yankee side, and maybe Kasim will agree, maybe he'll disagree. And I think we all kind of know what that roster's, what the major league opening day roster is going to look like, you know, and, and Luke said it right there. You're looking to see how guys are going to fit in throughout the year. You know, someone's going to go on the IL for a little bit. Someone just needs to rest or, you know, someone gets traded, you know, the player I'm really excited to watch in, you know, he's a non-roster invitee. Um, he's still, he's going to start the year in the minors and especially with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger hurting his finger. Uh, I'm really excited to watch Austin Wells. You know, I saw him play for the Somerset Patriots. He's a catcher. Uh, he actually improved a lot as a catcher in Somerset. You know, I'm really excited to watch him and see how he progresses because I could totally see him, you know, Higashioka. I know we all know how Kasim feels about him. He what, Kasim? He blows. Exactly. Higashioka <laughs> will probably be gone. And Rortvet, I mean, or Schwarzenegger, he'll be, you know, running for like presidency or something like that. Who knows? what? He'll be Bach. And he, he'll because he's getting to the chopper, he's getting Air Force One. And I think Austin Wells is going to be a guy who could potentially come up for you know a couple weeks in the middle of summer. I think he's a guy that should be on our radars for 2024 for sure to make the roster. So that's a guy I'm really excited to see. You know, he's got a ton of power. I watched him play in Somerset for the Patriots here in New Jersey. Um, so I'm really excited to watch Austin Wells. Uh, Cassim, any one or two players that you're really excited to watch? God, I'm going to sound like a hypocrite. Oh, my I God. Can't, I can't believe it. I'm going to actually say Floreal. it. It's Floreal. It's yes, Floreal. No, no, yes. no, no, no. Don't you dare. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, to be honest, I got two guys. And, you know, they're the, you know, they're the players are for our future. And Anthony Volpe and Peraza. I mean. My man. You know, you got, you got position battles. So, you know, and if I wanted to name another player. You know, I know Oswaldo Cabrera was there last year. That's another player, uh, like a non-roster invite I'm looking at is Willie Calhoun. I'm not looking at Rafael Ortega. He was Joe Estanio's WWE <laughs> uh, tag team partner in wrestling. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Volpe Peraza, you know, um, even Oswaldo Cabrera. The reason why I say that, because they're vying for a position, not just only on the team, but they could actually be starters. On the rot on the for the opening day lineup, uh, Volpe, I still believe he might start in the minors. But listen, this kid's being hyped. I want to see it. I want to see the hype. I want to see what he's all about in spring training. I'm not judging him on spring training because I remember talking to Barnes and telling him you could have a good six week spring training and then you know season starts and all of a sudden you suck in April and you know you sent down back to the banana league, but then you got Peraza. Uh, you know, IKF vying for that shortstop. So that just that in position in itself, it's very exciting to me. So that's another battle. And then you got Oswaldo Cabrera trying to vie for the left field spot with Aaron Hicks, which I believe at the end of the day, Hicks is going to start and IKF because I believe it's money-wise. That's why. But That's what happened with Bobby Dalvek. That's how he yeah. cracked the freaking starting lineup in 2021. He had an awesome spring training and then it was just major league arms that he was facing once April came around and like, Oh, that's right. Here's a guy who will strike out 250 times, maybe crack 20, 25 home runs, but is going to do nothing else of consequence. And Barnes, I think you should be completely transparent about the biggest reason 
why you're excited about seeing Austin Wells. It's his mustache, and because I think I look like him. I mean, he look, it's like if Barnes went on steroids for uh, for a, a couple cycles. He Austin, would Austin, Wells. Austin Wells. I'm going to tweet. Hey, you know, keep your eye out for it uh, from the Bleacher Brawls and my personal Twitter account at Barnes BBS. I'm going to tweet out a picture of Austin Wells. Uh, he's also my new moniker on the website because, uh, dude, the, the bicep flex and the mustache. Uh, it was just so good. It's just what I aspire. He's my spirit animal. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to miss seeing be... Kenny Powers making it rain at the end of your columns. He's a guy I'll be looking forward to for next year. I mean, he could be easily in for that backup role. But uh, like I said, I think Volpe, Peraza, Oswaldo Cabrera, you know, these young kids, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it because even though whatever my prediction is for them, I just want to see what they're all about. I already seen a Cabrera. Peraza, we've seen a little bit. Volpe, I haven't seen nothing. So I, I want to see what these guys do during spring training. I want to see what they're all about. I want to see Volpe's defense. I want to see if he can hit. They're all saying he's the next hype, shortstop, Jeter, whatever. I don't want to hear none of that. I just go out, play your game. Let's see what you're all about. Let's see what the hype is. Peraza, you got good defense. We'll see if you're good with the bat. Cabrera, I love it. But Cabrera's going to be the versatility guy. So that's why I believe he's going to be off the bench. And a guy I'm looking forward to really is Willie Calhoun. Uh, I want to... Hopefully he can make the team. Nice. Thanks. Volpe's not expected to make the team this year, right? Um, They're saying it's an open competition, which I believe they have to say that. I think service time has a lot to do with it. So I do believe he's going to start off in the minors and come up in like May or June. Yeah, I don't think he's not expected. But if he does, it'd be like a super pleasant surprise. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how the service time things thing works, where it's like how late you can bring him up in the season and still and still have him for six years the next year. Um, so I'm sure that will play a lot into it. I believe IKF is going to be the starting shortstop. That's that's just my opinion. Like I said, I think money is going to all of it with money with IKF and Hicks. I think it's going to come down to money, and they're going to end up being they're going to roll it back. That's what I believe. But I believe Peraza. Cabrera, they're gonna all make the bench spot. So I think they should move Donaldson over to short. I you know what? Should... You could all rip Donaldson you want, dude. If he comes out with his bat and he starts swinging, we know his defense is good, but if he comes out with his bat, just watch out. It's all right. We have him for one one. This is the last year. I'm gonna take my chance. I told you I'm still doing that trade 100 times. I don't care. You hear yeah. Aaron Boone talk about his defense, and you would uh, swear the... he could play third base, shortstop, and left field all at once. You think I, I want to have one guy Aaron on that Boone, side of the field? You think I hear? You think I want to hear what Aaron Boone has to say, man? <laughs> I really don't trust me. So you know, Kasson's making the early prediction right now of IKF being the Yankees' opening day shortstop. Uh, speaking of predictions, and I know at the beginning of the show we were super excited. You know, you're getting your first taste of baseball, Major League Baseball. So let's go over some way too early predictions. Obviously, you're hearing this; it's February, and we're trying to predict the season. We're trying to predict the division winners. You know, but, but before we get into that, I I, I think there's that, there, and especially we're talking about hyped, you know, youngsters. What's one team that you think might be overhyped throughout this spring training process or this off season where you know they may have made some moves and you're like, oh man, it just seems like Twitter, you know, your friend groups, people at work are like, oh, you better watch out for this team, you better watch out for this team, but you think that they're gonna fall, you know, fall short of the hype. Is there any one team that you? Think is overhyped, Kasim. Okay, I just want to ask: Are we doing one from the NL, one from the AL, or just one team in general? 
if you got one for each, go for it. I, I kind of have just one in general, but okay, if you I'm have one for each, go the, for it. I'm going to go with the overhyped team, and this is the honest truth. And this is from the American League, and I'll give up my National League, but the American League, it's the Texas Rangers. Guys, that rotation blows. I'm sorry. They stink. If you give Andrew <laughs> Heaney money, he blows. Jake Odorizzi blows. Nathan Obaldi, I like him a lot, but I don't know how he's going <laughs> to turn Texas. Jacob DeGrom, he already has a hamstring injury. Ah, uh, there you go. You know, I'm very happy to see a vision of a World Series. Dude, you just left the Mets and went to Texas, so you know what it's going to be about. That's the most overhyped team. I really... They're a fourth-place team. I know everybody's hyping them up. They got, a, they got a nice young core on offensively. Yes, the lineup, it's pretty good. I won't lie to you. But bullpen and pitching staff, they're overhyping it. I'm sorry, they suck. Are people really hyping them up? Oh, yeah. They got the best quote-unquote rotation probably in they're thinking that they got the best quote-unquote rotation probably in the american league like top five they go it's a very electric the only electric i'm gonna see is a home run derby come opening day when the phillies start teeing off for jacob the <laughs> That's the only thing. in the in the in the national league my overhyped team i do gotta admit uh oh boy i'd have to say the san diego padres i think they're over hyping them a lot and i don't I don't believe in that pitching staff. I don't. I still like the Dodgers winning that division. Listen, just like them, just like the same situation with Texas, their lineup is good. It's very good. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. But the pitching staff and the bullpen, I I just don't believe it. I love Darvish and Musgrove. I mean, Blake Snell, he hasn't been the same. You just got, I mean, I like Waka, but we'll see how he fares. Who, Cole Hamels? He hasn't pitched in like five years. Who, Seth Lugo? Come on, dude. So that's that might be the overhyped team. I'm talking about pitching staff. Well, their lineup could be excellent, but I think they're overhyped for a lot of reasons. Go ahead, Luke. I don't have one for the NL. I got one for the AL, and it's the New York Yankees. It's oh. I think what that yeah. So look, look. T- transport yourself back a year at this time. What were you expecting from the New York Yankees? Third place. Third place. Yes. And so, yeah, they had a great April and May. They put together a really good beginning of the season. They built up a big enough lead that they could hold it when the crap hit the fan uh, for the rest of the year, pretty much. And, uh, you know, they righted the ship. They barely beat a Guardians team that, you know, should have been overmatched by them. And you know, they got wiped out by the Astros. No shame in being wiped out by the Astros. But I think that a lot of that, I think a lot of things came together really well for them at the beginning of the season. And they, look, it's a 162-game season. They did enough to get into the playoffs. You know, I'm not saying they were a, a flash in the pan last year, but I think they played a little above their heads. Their season last year was so much like the Red Sox season in 2021. And then look what happened to the Red Sox. You know, I think they, you know, they added to that pitching staff, but with Carlos Rodon, who, who the hell knows how many starts he's going to have, how, how much he's going to pitch any given year. You know, Montas is already her out for the year, you know, and then you're going to be pe- dependent on Severino and Herman, who are guys that, who, dropped off the face of the earth for injury reasons and for just being a complete mental patient. Like, so 
I think there's a lot more question marks with the Yankees team than people really want to, than New York fans really want to think about. But look, the left side of the infield, who's the left fielder? Um, you know, I I expect them to I expect them to not do nearly as well as Yankee fans are hoping uh, them to do this year. Uh, while I do disagree with you, I don't think that they're I. Yes, I disagree with you, but I respect your opinion as my colleague here. Make sure if you're listening to keep sending Luke the hate tweets. <laughs> keep sending me hate tweets. That's right, baby. Um, my overhype of you, I don't respect anybody's opinions if they're not the same as mine. Well, <laughs> you know, that's why, you know, that's how this brand was created. Um, my overhyped team is the Baltimore Orioles, and I am a closet Orioles fan, but they really haven't done anything to improve themselves, and everyone's like, oh, you got to watch out for the O's. Oh, you got to watch out for the O's, and they're just trusting the process and trust, trusting all their players. They're what the Red Sox hope to be one day, um, you know, just bringing up all these guys, you know, just trusting the process. You know, Heim Bloom's secret plan is to become Baltimore. Uh, well, actually, I think a secret plan is to become L.A., but that's for another time with all those Dodgers there, the uh, Boston Dodgers. But that's true. Yeah, I, I do think that the Orioles are a little overhyped. They haven't really shown me too much that they've improved. They they signed some no name dude. I don't even care. He blows. Um, <laughs> exactly. Dude, Cass, you, you got a good thing going here. I'm trying um, to think who that is. Exactly. No one cares. Moving on. <laughs> uh, sleeper teams. Uh, you know, 2023 sleeper team, like a team that you think is going to come out of the woodwork and kind of surprise you and maybe take the, you know, like, oh, wow, I I kind of forgot about this team. Uh, Luke, we'll start with you on this one. Um, the Boston Red Sox. What? And oh, my God. Stop this. Look, I'm not, it's not, it's it's not a gimmick. It's not That's a gimmick. Team. It's not for the party to toe the party lines or anything like that. I like the additions they made. I think Casas is going to be really good. Bayo, I think if he's healthy, is going to be really good. And I think they like the biggest weakness was the bullpen last year, and they could never recover from that awful start. I mean, the injuries, of course, derailed them, but there's no way in hell they're going to have as many as much injury, bad, bad injury luck as they did last year. And they they got made a lot of additions to what was the worst. Uh, part of their team last year and look and Heim Bloom's objective was take advantage of the banning of the shift he got contact hitters now Trevor Story got hurt so they got Adam Duvall who doesn't fit that profile and um, you know Adalberto Mondesi who also doesn't fit that profile but it's a uh, I just think I I really buy into what Heim Bloom's doing organizationally and I think he was really smart with the players he picked up uh, to, oh, Yoshida, too, with the just putting the bat on the ball. Um, Verdugo, great at just putting the bat on the ball. Um, I think the banning the shift is going to be a, something that the Red Sox are going to do a great job of taking advantage of, and they're not going to be as injured nearly as much as they were last year. So, yes, the Yankees are the overhyped team, and the Red Sox are the sleeper team. Cass, you're up. Okay, um, I got two. So I got one from the American League, one from the National League. So I'm going to go Los Angeles Angels are going to be my sleeper team. I got them as the wild card as the last spot making it in the American League. The reason why, I love their offseason. I love Tyler Anderson. I like the pickup of Hunter Renfro. 
I like Brett Phillips as the backup outfielder. Shohei, um, getting Gio Rochella, Anthony uh, Rendon, hopefully he's healthy. Brandon, the addition of Brandon Jury, getting Tyler Anderson, getting uh, Carlo Estevez, getting um, uh, you got Jerry Walsh healthy. Now they're in the rumor of getting Gary Sanchez as their catcher, which I really like. Um, for me, this this team here, they're a sleeper, but it's gonna all depend on health. If they're healthy. This team here can compete for the last spot of the wild card. I really believe it. I like their team. I like their makeup. I love the lineup. I like their pit. Their pitching staff is very young, especially Reed Detmers, Tyler Anderson, uh, Griffin uh, Canning. Uh, they got some guys. Uh, the addition of Matt Moore. Uh, this team is going to depend on health. My NL sleeper team I really like, and it's going to be like mostly bounce back candidates from injuries, and I believe that's the Chicago Cubs. I love the I love the signing of Jamison Tyone. I wish the Yankees never let him go, but they let him go. I like the Cubs. I like the Suzuki, Ballinger, Ian Happ, getting Dancy Swanson, uh, Nico Horner, Patrick Wisdom, Eric Hosmer, Trey Mancini. Uh, Tucker and Barnhart blows, but you know the catching, <laughs> the catching tandem of him and Jan Gomes. It is what it is. But get a Michael Fulmer. They got a nice bullpen, nice lineup. Uh, pitching staff, it's still iffy because I hate Marcus Blowman, Marcus Stroman. He stinks. I can't stand him. Uh, <laughs> but that's that's question marks. But bullpen-wise, I think they're very good. A lot of young talent. Uh, lineup, it's just a lot of bounce-back candidates. If this team really does well offensively, this team could be in the thick of maybe. I don't know about being a playoffs, being a playoff team, but they're a sleeper team to where maybe they could finish second in the division because I still got St. Louis, you know. But they could overtake Milwaukee. I saw the Cubs uh, on paper. If you look on paper, they don't look that bad. So they're my sleeper team. I got them and the Angels. Ugh, their rotation just looks awful. That's what I said. That's what awful. I said. I know. Because, uh, it's just, you can't really overcome that. In my opinion, I don't see how yeah. any team can overcome that. The Angels, the fact that the Angels have to be a sleeper team is such is so ridiculous. They have so much talent on that team, but they still are still awful every single year. I never understood it. The freaking LA Angels, uh they the why do you think they got Gio Urshela's because Rendon's not going to be ready. He's not going to play again. Um yeah, Brandon Drury, he's the depth piece. Uh I like the Drury. Anyway, my uh my sleeper team, Chicago White Sox. You know, I think that this team last year had a lot of expectations and they finished literally at 500 last year. I think that I legitimately think that they could make a run at the and uh, the AL Central. You know, they didn't have full years from Eloy Jimenez or Luis Robert, and you know they brought in Benintendi. That's a you know he's not a power bat, but he's a guy who's going to contribute. He's going to be you know on the front end of that um, lineup. You know, pitching wise, you had Dylan Cease who was up for AL Cy Young, like Lucas Giolito. Like you got a bunch of guys there who I think can be good. And, you know, I think they just had a down year last year. There was a lot of hype around them and they underperformed. So I think we're going to see some positive regression. I think they're going to improve. Um, they're my sleeper pick. Um, so let's go real quick. We're going to try and fly through these. We're just going to pick the six division winners. We'll uh, go um, American League, the National League, and we'll go from West Central East. So we'll move from West Coast to East Coast. Um, I've got Houston winning the West. Uh, 
are we all in agreement to that? Is any or are the Angels gonna sleep their way into the? <laughs> the Rangers yeah, the are gonna Astros. dominate the West this year. Yeah, I got the Astros my number one seed. They'll have the best record in the American League. Yeah, yeah so Astros I, definitely. Uh, AL Central. Uh, Cleveland Guardians. Yeah, Guardians. I, I think I'm. Um, I'm also gonna say the Guardians. I I think the the White Sox will get close, but I don't think they'll take it. Uh, and then the AL East. I got the Yankees. I got the Blue Jays. Whoa, I also have the Yankees. I got to believe in it. Um, I also think that they just have a better – they have a better team overall and they'll find a way to scrap through. Um, let's go National League. Uh, National League West. I got the Los Angeles Dodgers. I got the Padres. Oh, and I also got the Dodgers. This is this is kind of interesting to see how this is going to work out. I wonder if we had more Red Sox fans that they would agree with the Dodgers uh, because you've been – or the Padres with you, Luke, because you guys have been taking all the Dodgers players. Uh, NL Central, St. Louis Cardinals, Cardinals, yeah, Cardinals. I, 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 it just feels like that NL Central is just only one team ever is really in contention year in and year out. It's a terrible division. Like Cassim's right. I think Chicago will uh, be in second place, but there's still going to be ten games out of making the playoffs because it's just yeah. terrible. Just the so Brewers, bad. I think, are building towards rebuilding, yeah. and the Reds and the Pirates are always terrible. And then. Uh, NL East. The Atlanta Braves with the best record in the National League. They'll be number one. Braves. Yeah, Braves here too. I mean, it's such a both East divisions are so good. And I wouldn't be surprised if other teams could squeak out winning it. But right now, I think we're we all agree. Obviously, you hear us in February. We're all saying the Braves are gonna do it. So let's uh let's roll with that. And then just a really early World Series prediction. Um what you got, Cassim? I got the Atlanta Braves over the Houston Astros. Luke, I got yeah the Braves over the Houston Astros in seven games. That's subject to change, everybody. But no, nope, right no, nope, you're locked in. February twenty second, you are locked. Hey, this is February twenty second. We can come back to before opening day. I'll stick to it. <laughs> but right now, but right now, no, I'm Braves over Houston in seven games. Um, I got so I I got the Padres winning the NL West, but I got the Dodgers beating the Padres in the NLCS and the Padres beating the Blue Jays in the World Series. Wow. Wow. This is interesting. I had Toronto last year, Luke, in my, the World Series, and then it happened. They did too much talking and showboating last year. I think they got their heads on – they'll have their heads on straight this year. Yeah, they made the trailer before the movie. <laughs> yes, uh, they did. Ah, <laughs> uh, man, I – for me, it's really tough. You know, I think if you if you ask me right now, it's February twenty second. I'm going to say Atlanta is going to represent the uh, National League. I just they're just so good. You know, if the, it once again, if it all plays out, if the, everyone's healthy, and this goes for all the teams, yeah. I, mean, I think we all took that into consideration. You don't like anticipate someone getting hurt, but I think Atlanta, and I and I think they're going to play Houston, and I'm going to agree with Cassim. I think Atlanta beats Houston. You know, if you're asking me right now in February, so it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting that we all kind of we're all on the same wavelength as far as some teams. I think it's pretty cool, especially Atlanta, Atlanta top to bottom, top to bottom, like from lineup pitches that bullpen bench, they are stacked top to bottom. I mean, I don't even see a weakness. Everybody will say shortstop, but you know what? I believe that guy Grisham is going to be one hell of a shortstop. The Braves fans love Grisham. Uh, love Grisham. 
I'm telling you, man, they're just well stacked. Their pitching staff, they, they got like seven deep pitchers, man. I mean, Kyle Wright is your, he was a 21 game winner and he's your like your sixth starter right now. Yeah. I mean, I think just... I misspoke before. I said I had the Padres, Padres winning the NLS, the Dodgers coming back to beat them in the NLCS. Then I think I said the Blue Jays beating the Padres. I had the Blue Jays beating the Dodgers in the World Series. So, so here we go. We're going to move into our last segment. We did it last week. Uh, it's called fair or foul. I hope we had some fun with that. I hope you guys listening had some fun with it. Um, first, fair or foul? Is Joey actually studying? Fair or foul? Foul. Cats. <laughs> yeah, so. Is he? Wait a minute. Is his midterm tomorrow in female studies? Well, that's, well, that's what I was trying to figure out. If he's if, if the midterm says keep it in your pants. <laughs> oh, Joey. No, but I'll say fair. You got to take those serious, those midterms. Hey, listen, uh, I know Joey loves being on the show. I don't think he'd just skip out for something exactly. pretty lame, but I'll I'll say fair, but it's on the line. It's one of those, it's on the line. <laughs> That's the first fair or foul. Uh, next, uh, next fair or foul. Um, obviously, I think literally everyone saw it. Uh, Corbin Burns, you know, he's obviously upset through arbitration. We were kind of talking a little bit about, about it before the show started is – does Corbin Burns finish the season as a Milwaukee Brewer? Is he, or uh, I'll say this, he, Corbin Burns is going to finish the season as a Milwaukee Brewer, fair or foul? Fair. Uh, I'm going to say foul. I think they'll get what the best they can for him. They're rebuilding that by, by the all-star rig, it's going to be clear that they're rebuilding. How many more years of control they have of them? Was it two or three? Uh, I will have to check that. I want to say it's I think, two. I, see, that's um, why I don't believe. I think he finishes the year, and then he gets traded in the offseason. That's my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I want to say foul. It seems like, you know, I don't want to say it this way, but it seems like the bridge is burned, or, or at least on Burns' side, like from his point of view. So I think he'll wind up – I don't know if he'll request a trade, but I think if the Brewers are – you know, third in division because the Cubs are, yeah. you know, outperforming. I, I could see them selling. I still got Brewers too, guys. I mean, I just said Cubs as a sleeper, but I've got Cubs three. But I still Luke said that the the Cubs might win or it might be. get second. I'm just saying it could be. It, I, it's a scenario. Yeah, you know, maybe they're second at the All Star break. You know, right around the trade deadline, and that's when Burns gets moved. Such um, a horrible business where you gotta you gotta go in in the off season and you've gotta. You've got to make your case for why you shouldn't have to pay your star player as much as they want. And you got to basically, you got to blame him for the Brewers not making the playoffs. Like, but you know what? On. I think, I think that's foul. Um, you know, Corbin Burns too, is that you shouldn't, you shouldn't take a personal. That's just part of the business. It's just part of the business. It's just part of the business, man. I mean, I know they're fighting over $750,000, but that's just part of the business, man. Nobody, Nobody shouldn't take it personal when it comes to arbitration. Nobody. So just business. So, uh, you know, speaking of business, you know, if for all those people who like sports betting, you know, fair or foul, um, the Red Sox uh, win total for, you know, like on FanDuel Sportsbook uh, for 2023 is at 78 and a half, like over under 78 and a half wins. Um, Is this a line, you know, based on last year, is this fair or foul? Totally foul. Totally foul. It's look at all the injuries they had last year. It's it's like an unprecedented injury, but four fifths of the rotation got hurt 
all within a matter of two weeks. And then, and at a different two months later, three guys had their hands broken by flying baseballs in a matter of five days. It's that's not the team that they are. What happened last year? It's they're going to, they're going to do a lot, but they'll, it's 76 and a half. You said 78, 78. I got them nine games better than that. 97. Wait, wait a minute. 90, 78, 80, Jesus, 87. Sorry. Not in 87 games, man. That's not happening. Ooh. Not in that division. Hey, I'm locked in. I'm locked yeah, in February 22nd, just like uh, you I are. Think, <laughs> I think it's fair. I'm, I, I see them only winning like 73, 75 games. But there's one guy, like we said, we were talking earlier about who to look forward to. From a Red Sox standpoint, I look forward to watching Chris Sale being healthy. I want to see what he does. And I like him. I like Chris Sale. I'm a big fan of him. Got it. So you heard it from these guys, you know, Luke's saying, uh, hey, if you're a sports better, take the over. And uh, Cassim is saying, take the under. And both of them are saying it's pretty wide margin. It's not even like close, like 77 or 79 wins. Luke's got him in the in the 80s, almost 90. Cassim's got him low 70s. Um, next fair or foul is uh, Alex Cora, you know, was saying like, hey, we're going to have to split up Yoshida and Rafi in, in the uh, – batting order you know Rafi's typical and the way like sabermetrics has been going like you put your best player second you get Yoshida to lead off fair or foul um the Cora is actually going to split them up in the lineup fair or foul fair and that's they shouldn't have ever even considered putting them to I hope that was never even a consideration at least for Alex Cora maybe the analytics guys were telling me got to do this. And now he's telling them to pound sand. I really hope that's the case. Cause you get one nasty left. You got Josh, say Josh Hader, the guy, the Josh Hader, he was last year or the year before that, whenever he was last really good in the ninth inning, like, all right, well that that'll do it. Like you got the top of the order coming up. The chances of any lefty getting a hit off him is so small. Why would you do that? No, you put Kike Hernandez or you put Justin Turner um, in between them and you break it up. I'm a big left, right, left, right guy. I do that all down the lineup if I'm a manager, if at all possible. Kasim, fair or foul? Fair. I mean, I, I'm not you know familiar with the Red Sox lineup, but I, th- I think it's fair. I think Yoshida, I think the Red Sox lineup think, has like four four right-handed batters. Well, Yo, Yoshida is going to be your leadoff guy, am I right? Yeah, so Devers is going to bat third. And I hate this, the best player batting, bat second uh, stuff that's happened the last few years. I don't get it. It's Yeah, it's more at bats, but you want to put two guys, get two guys who can get on base in front of the big bats. Uh, you know, just come on. You want you want the leadoff hitter, and before that, you got the worst hitter on the team up before your best hitter. So if the leadoff hitter doesn't do anything, then the chances are there's going to be no ducks on the pond. Yeah, I mean, like this year, you're not going to see Judge batting number two. I think they did it last year, exception, 62 home runs. They were trying to get the home run. But I do not want Judge in that two hole. I want him in the number three hole. That's where I want him. It's perfect for him. Um, you know, me and Barnes, we were looking at Bader. Um, whoever they bet number two, it is what it is. But uh, I don't want to see Judge in the two hole. I think Rizzo will be in the two hole and Judge bets number three. That's Check out I'm- my... St- Check out my starting nine columns. They come out every Friday, and I always got the best of whatever we're talking about in the three, four, and five slots because that's where your best hitters go. Yes. Well, so, I think we know our best hitters, Rizzo and Judge and Stanton. That's right. Yeah. So 
last last one is or last two i should kind of say is uh aaron boone has been kind of saying like hey the shortstops are going to play multiple positions this year you know they're going to be doing all kinds of things aaron boone is also saying like hey there's an idea where judge plays left and stanton plays right um right field like outfield respectively is uh first one we'll go is uh fair or foul that you're going to see two plus shortstops and a daily lineup for the Yankees. Obviously not playing shortstop, they'll have to mix around, but you will see fair or foul that you'll see Yan- two or more Yankees shortstops daily in the Yankees' starting lineup. I wish it's fair, and I wish it's foul so Boone could just shut the hell up for once in his life. <laughs> I hate when he talks. Yeah, but, I mean, it could be fair. I mean, they're going to try to move him around because – Let's say they do make the roster. I mean, you got to get a day off for Donald saying, we know we got DJ LeMahieu. You got to give a day off to Glaber, shortstop position, first base. I mean, it could be fair, but at the same time, I just want Boone to shut up and not talk at all. <laughs> Sounds like you're but, leaning foul, though. Yeah, something like that. Luke's one to quiet. I think it's, I'm not sure I understand the question. So two shortstops in the lineup, but one of them's in the lineup playing elsewhere so that they can move to shortstop later. Yeah, or you know, like obviously, like Glaber Torres is technically a second baseman, you know. Yeah. But Oswald saying Oswald Peraza and IKF are both going to be in the starting lineup. Okay, more fair. often than not. Yeah, fair. They'll 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 do that. And I mean, that it's all it's all nerds nerds uh, on Excel sheets uh, in that organization. So anything's anything's possible. The lineup changes every single day. I would, if I was a Yankee fan. <laughs> I would that would piss me off so much. You never know who's going to be in what spot in the order any day of the week. Is Judge Judge doesn't even have a spot in the lineup. Is he the leadoff hitter? Is he the number two hitter? Is he the number three hitter? Yeah, it's fair though. They'll do it. Yeah, I yeah. mean, if you look at it, IKF could play short and third. Peraza could play second, third, and uh, uh, shortstop. And Volpe, you know, he could play all around the infield. Then you got Cabrera who could play everywhere. So that I mean, it's a good mixture. Don't get me wrong. But we'll see how it plays out. I mean, Boone's not the smartest guy in the room. Let's just be <laughs> fact about that. He really isn't. Uh, man. He's not the one making out the lineup anyway, though. Yeah. Uh, they're not smart either. And then uh, the last one, fair or foul, you know, obviously today or at the day of this recording, February 21st, um, Aaron Boone was saying like, yeah, you know what? We're kind of playing with the idea of Judge playing left, Bader in center, and then Stanton in right field. Fair or foul, we see that combination five or more times in 2023. Foul. Uh, foul. I don't think they go that far. You got Judge's arm, you're going to waste it in left field. And, and Stanton, maybe Stanton playing right field on the road, I mean, at home a few times, but. I, uh, I set the line at five. I set the line at five. Yeah, I know. I wish Stanton could play the field every day. I really wished because LeMahieu would be our everyday DH. That's the honest truth. I would have loved to see it, but um, it's his liability. I mean, let's just hear and be honest. I, I wish I could say Stanton could stay healthy throughout the year, but every time, I mean, he looks like a different player when he's playing left field. I, I won't lie to you, playing the outfield with his bat at-bats, he does better. I just yeah. think, you know, you got to be cautious I'd love to see Sand start in left field every day. I, I'd love it. So LeMahieu can get in the lineup. 
but I, I just don't think that's the case. I just don't see it. Yeah, I, I'm going to say fair. You know, if you listen to the episode I did with Jonna Perlinger, you know, scroll back a little bit on your listening app of choice. Uh, I actually posed the question like, hey, is there a possibility that we could like see Bader, Judge and Stanton in the outfield? You know, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. You know, like, I do agree with Cassim. I think Stanton looks better when he's actually playing every day as a fielding player. So just build some player confidence and rhythm, you know, kind of what Luke was saying about spring training. But uh, that that concludes the fair or foul segment. Thanks for playing, guys. I got one more. Fair or foul. Pat drinks Activia. <laughs> fair. Yes, fair. I don't know why Activia is. <laughs> <laughs> just, it's like a probiotic yogurt drink. That old people that old people drink <laughs> so they can regulate their bowel movements. Oh, fair, fair, fair. Foul. Patrick's dog has an IQ greater than Luke. Fair follow Joey Bard, the best catcher in baseball. <laughs> well, fair on all of them. Fair on hey, all. Of them. Hey, if you're listening, we're having a great time. We hope you had a great time. Uh, let's just cl- any closing thoughts for the listeners. Uh, Luke, any closing thoughts? Uh, just everyone remember the predictions here. They are ironclad. You cannot escape them. February 22nd. <laughs> Kasim. I'll own my predictions. I have no problem. But closing thoughts, guys. Spring training game starts Friday. Let's rock and roll, baby. It's baseball season. That's right. And Luke, my closing thought is thanks for jumping on the show. You know, Joey is, quote, studying as we uh, addressed in the fair or foul segment. Um, thanks for joining us, Kasim. As always, thanks for joining us. You know, listeners, do us a favor, you know, leave us a review, share it with a friend, because that way you can share, you know, you guys can debate our takes that are ironclad here in February. You know, who do you think is right? Who do you think is wrong? I know it's me. I know it's not Luke. He's wrong. Send him your hate tweets. Anyway, (laughs) thanks for joining us. Hope you had a great listen. We'll see you next time. Burn, baby, burn. All right, folks, that's the latest episode of Bleacher Brawls. Thanks for tuning in, for rating us five stars, and leaving us a nice review. And don't forget to check us out on BleacherBrawls.com, on YouTube, and on Twitter. All right, who's uh, who's more jacked, Jaron Duran or, or Arnold Schwarzenegger? I mean, Ben Rortvet. <laughs> ben Rortvet. <laughs> He's not showing off his muscles like, dude, come on the field for once in your life. <laughs>